The Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to Gadget Guide show number 187 with a look at the tech news and then we're going to be chatting to Dominic from the Raspberry Pi Foundation, uh, actually Raspberry Pi Technology Company, uh, about the Raspberry Pi 4 compute module and then a bit later looking at Apple's iPhone 12 announcements from last week. Uh, first of all, a quick look at this fortnight's technology news um, and of course a f- reminder, first of all, if you haven't already, go download the, uh, the COVID-19 NHS application. Um, if you go to covid19.nhs.uk, there's links to both platforms. That's Android and iOS uh, app stores, so that you make sure you do get the uh, the correct application. There's already been some instances of people trying to make uh, sort of lookalikes to uh, uh, extract various bits of data out of you. Um, there was a news story a, a couple of days ago um, about tra- uh, test and trace data being shared uh, with the police, so they can enforce that. The application doesn't know who you are. That is not involved in that in the slightest. So uh, if you are worried about uh, the sort of privacy side of things, the the app is incredibly well engineered um, and it's definitely worth going and uh, and grabbing for your phone if you haven't done already. Now on to new toys or uh, rumours of them. Uh, the Samsung Galaxy S21 or is it going to be the, uh, the S30? Well, we don't know quite whether uh, Samsung are going to change their numbering convention as they did um, at the S11 through to S20 point and uh, confusing everyone. Um, But uh, it looks like the next version of the Galaxy range will be out February, which is about the right sort of time frame for Samsung's next phone releases. Of course, it's almost certainly not going to come with the uh, the sort of the big physical launch uh, that we would normally have expected. No, no, Samsung t- tended to run their own uh, their own event, sort of slightly separate to Mobile World Congress or MWC in in Barcelona. I suspect both of those are going to firmly re- be remaining in the uh, in the virtual arena for the start of next year. The fact that the Consumer Electronics Show for January has already said that they're going to uh, not have a real event yes, is the- pretty likely that no one else is as well. Yeah. In- the reality of these events and we're talking tens of thousands of people is that you would be planning months ago for an event coming up at the start of 2021 you know we're now really into the final stages of those they would have made the call on those events already i'd be surprised if we saw any sort of big in-person technology launches before sort of late spring early summer at the the soonest i would have thought summer being safer generally um so cost wise we're probably looking at a phone in the 900 pound bracket we're probably going to see it come in various flavours. So we're probably going to see a, a regular and then an ultra edition um, and then probably new Note um, devices in the range to follow probably six to nine months after. Um, lots of talk about new cameras. Uh, yes, it, it now seems to have moved on from the how many megapixels to how many mega cameras that uh, they're putting on How many on mega, megapixel cameras are you going to put yeah, into it? Yes. I'm just looking at the... Uh, the the S20 Ultra, which is of course one of their their current devices, I'm sort of counting one. Is it one, two, three, four, five cameras on the back plus the flash? And uh, certainly my uh, my my OnePlus Nord um, has got sort of two cameras on the front and four on the back. And yeah, <laughs> you, you're almost ending up with more cameras than you used to have pixels. And, and you are talking about 108 megapixel cameras, which I mean that's already on the S21 Ultra. The, uh, sorry, the, the S20 Ultra. So you know we'll we'll probably see similars. The the interesting thing I do find with um, with mine, I've got the uh, the sort of forty eight megapixel uh, camera. The problem with that is that the images it takes are so large <laughs> in terms of data size that if you go and post them to something like Slack or to Twitter, 
it doesn't even bother previewing it. It just gives up and says, oh, this is too big. You have to download it if you want to see it, which kind of defeats the object of, yeah. <laughs> of a, a, a camera, really, on a phone. You almost want them to have a camera mode where, yeah, I want to store the full-size one so I can do processing on it later, but I want my social media version at the same time yes. and make me that you know, 8 megapixel equivalent yeah. when I'm so sharing that I can photo. post it to yeah. all of my social medias and, and chat forums and so on. And uh, I, so I, I have we'll to, have to wait Apple, and see what, uh, what they come up with. Apple have done a little bit of a better job there because if, in iOS, if you share a photo by email, it does say, do you want to share the original? Do you want to share a small one, a large one, a medium one? Uh, now, if you're using the Outlook app on Android, that tell that does the same sort of idea. Yes. So it's quite good, good at yes. sorting maybe, that out. Maybe we just need to see more of uh, more of the sort of social media applications do the same thing. Thinking about the size of the files, yes. Mm. Um, space News, uh, SpaceX have thrown 60 more Starlink satellites into uh, the sky in the last couple of days. Now, of course, it's not going back too many years when launching one or two satellites would have been a, a reasonably big deal. Um, now we're seeing launches of tens to hundreds of satellites. So that the constellation, the, the whole group of Starlink satellites is heading for the hundreds to thousands, you know, 800 satellites. They're, looking they're just for under here. 800 right now, 788 yeah. at the moment. Uh, they've done 13 launches already. Yes, uh, and it's amazing if you see some of the, the time-lapse photography of these launches as well. You just see, you know, trail after trail after trail. Of, of course, this is con causing some concern to astronomers. Um, who are saying, hang on, if you've got 2,000 satellites up there that we didn't have before, how, how are we going to see the dark stuff? Yeah. Um, but the, the goal with all of the, the Starlink uh, constellation is to provide fast internet access cheaply in places Almost anywhere. you just can't get yeah. cables. Um, yeah. Much more of a concern in North America, of course, where you have these sort of very spread out rural areas. Um, much less of an issue in uh, cities like Cambridge, where you can much more reasonably dig up all the roads. More, more importantly, in larger geographies like North America, they um, are already showing that they can use this technology on things like trains and trucks. So yes. it will then provide coverage in areas where you know you are just too far from anywhere else that running cables is expensive. Uh, and of course, yeah, satellite internet access and satellite telecoms is by no means a, a new industry. It's, you've been able to get satellite internet access for uh, for decades. The ch the difference is the speed and the cost. If you go to someone like Iridium, you're paying you know hundreds of times more per megabyte than you would on a domestic broadband service. And it is running hun literally hundreds of times slower. Yeah. Um, if you want to go up to something like their, their next generation cluster, then maybe you'll get a megabit a second or two. Uh, well, this is, this is hardly the sort of tens to hundreds of megabits a second that, yeah. that we've come to expect. So Starlink are talking about 100 megabit up and down. Well, uh, 100 megabit down, 40 megabit up, and latencies under 20 milliseconds. So that's how long it takes one bit of your data to get from your computer out to the internet and then back again to your computer yeah. with with the reply. So that, yeah, th this is very competitive. If they can pull that off, and then there's still a lot of uncertainty, if they can pull that yeah. off. You're not going to win a Fortnite raid using this sort of broadband, but you're certainly <laughs> going to be able to stream stuff and, and do average internet use. Yes, most people, most people would not realise that they are on a satellite connection at, at that performance. The, yeah. the challenge, of course, be, uh, is how that holds up when they have hundreds to thousands of consumers on it uh, at yes. the same time. That's something a lot of the existing providers have struggled with.
Yeah. Interesting one on mobile phones. Uh, the UK is finally getting around to uh, fixing a loophole in law. Now, this is the, the, uh, the, the using your mobile phone whilst driving, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. Currently, the law says that uh, you are not allowed to use your phone when you are texting or calling ah. while driving. Now, that you probably can't doesn't be cover a phone. lot of people's use. It doesn't cover taking photos, filming, playing games, playing with your sat-nav, picking a playlist in your favourite streaming music service. All of those things are currently not covered. And, and of course, they are covered under the sort of the more general driving without due care and attention. Yes. So those are going to all be brought in line with a lot of other countries around the world where basically any interaction with the phone will be considered illegal. Now, it'll be, it will be very interesting to see how that's implemented. Any physical because, interaction. Uh, because, of course, you know, if, if I've got something like Android CarPlay where my phone's operating system is mirrored onto my what would be my car radio, mm-hmm. is that allowed? Uh, yeah, we haven't uh, had it made it illegal for you to play with your radio. So exactly, as long as as long as you are paying due care and attention to the road, clearly, yes. if you're distracted by the the radio, then then that's a, a big issue. I, th- I think we'll be probably be okay with that because the the interface on Car Audio and Apple CarPlay are um, designed to be simpler, larger icons. No yeah. distraction Don't factor. Don't have to you take know. your eyes off the road. Yeah, yeah you you can reach you across and you know the left hand side of the screen is going to be that part of the application and so on so yes interesting uh, obviously this is going through consultations and uh, will take a while to get through uh, all of the necessaries to get into law uh, an interesting aside of that by the way is that there there's also various calls for banning the use of hands-free devices for audio um, so at the moment of course you are allowed to take a call if you're using a hands-free uh, kit either one of the ones sort of an uh, in-ear device or built into your car um, there does seem to be a growing amount of evidence that even that is substantially distracting yeah um, of course the the counter argument is hang on does that mean you're also banning drivers from talking to passengers um to which the usual response is that a passenger, if they see a developing situation, will know to be quiet. Yeah, another pair whereas, of eyes, potentially. I- exactly, whereas uh, someone at the other end of a phone call won't. Yeah, they, they've done some research, and apparently we zone out a bit more when we're talking to someone over a phone link versus someone sitting next to us. Yeah, uh, and of course, yeah, the sensible advice here is if yeah, is to just pull over somewhere safe and, and take the call there rather than uh, while you're driving. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're heading to the moon. Yeah, another another space, but this one I've managed to merge space and mobile into one, which is uh, oh, very good, quite quite a challenge. Uh, NASA have decided to use Nokia to build a four G network on the moon. Okay, is is there a big demand for four G on the moon? <laughs> I, I wasn't aware of too many people competing uh, for yes. it. So um, Nokia have have long since been involved in building mobile phone networks around the world and are well respected in that element of technology um nasa are looking at their new um lunar landers uh remote controlled systems and of course they're still hoping to land people on the moon again in about four years time um they're thinking about comms for that lot and they're thinking about ways that people will want to actually communicate and send video and images back to the back to earth and of course it does come with challenges because we 
amongst many other things here. We were talking earlier on about the uh, the challenge of, of latency when you're on satellite internet links. Uh, that goes up even more when you go to the moon. Yeah, the moon is about one second at the speed of light away from the Earth. And so it's sort of any information you send up there takes at least a second to get there and a second to get back uh, aside of any uh, uh, any sort of computer processing delays. Um, so suddenly sort of request and response systems that are used mm. to something coming back in a, a, a few hundredths of a second now have to be redesigned. Um, you, know, you couldn't easily have this conversation that, that we have between us here with someone on the moon simply because we'd be talking over each other even more yeah. than we do normally. Yeah. I mean, basically, the, the fastest anyone's managed to get a signal either way is about one and a quarter seconds. Yeah, and, that, that's, and, simple, and that's, physics. that's simple physics. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we haven't got faster than light speed communications. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> no. No, no one has worked out how to crack that one. and uh... I suspect that's probably going to remain the case. Uh, but, uh, of course... Once you're on the moon, you then have comms needs around the moon, yes. and yeah, we don't have satellites orbiting the moon, so you can't uh, can't easily get signals from you know the the side of the moon that we see all the time to the uh, the sort of the dark side of the moon on on the other side. So yeah, how how do you do that? There's there's a lot of challenges, and of course, a and of very course, if harsh if someone is is sitting on the moon streaming video of what they're doing, we don't mind that sort of one, one and a half second delay yes. because you're watching real-time stuff. And we're used to those sort of delays just with even broadcast television of live sporting events and so on. So Yes, and if, you, if you're listening to this uh, this episode of the Gadget Guide live, um, then you're actually hearing it somewhere between three and 30 seconds after Lawrence and I are talking to each other just because of the time it takes to get through that uh, that system. Yeah, all the, all the signals running around the internet and uh, eventually making it to broadcast transmitters. None of that happens instantly. There you go. 4G on the moon, whatever next. Uh, we'll be talking to uh, to Dominic from the Raspberry Pi uh, technology company in just a, a couple of moments. 105. Cambridge 105 Radio. Kickstart your weekend. Saturday Breakfast with Matt Webb. I'm here every weekend to get you moving. I have the latest from the Cambridge News Desk on the hour and half hour. Problems on the A14, Newmarket Road or Mill Road? Well, if there are, you'll be the first to know in the travel. There's a full sports roundup at 8.30, including what's happening at Cambridge United and our other local clubs. Plus a look at the Saturday papers and local online publications at 10 to 9. That's Saturday Breakfast with me, Matt Webb, this weekend from 8. If you're like me, you've got a family and a business, and you want to protect what's most important when the chips are down. With Woodfine Solicitors, that's exactly what happens. I got a bespoke legal service from a friendly expert team. They really listened to what was going on and tailored their recommendations to my situation, which was, well, that's another story. Anyway, the best thing was that it all happened online. A few simple clicks and I had my quote. That freed up time to focus on everything else. Get the help you need when you need it most. Visit woodfinds.co.uk or call Cambridge 411421. Woodfinds, cutting through the red tape. What does your home need to feel complete? Gap Home Improvements have been helping customers give their properties that curb appeal for over 20 years. You've seen our vans in your area providing dedicated support to families across Cambridgeshire. Windows, doors, garden rooms, conservatories and warm roofs. We offer free quotations in a pressure-free environment. In person, on the phone or by video call, our consultants will help you realise your property's true potential. Call Cambridge 914-567 or visit gaphomeimprovements.co.uk today. 
You're listening to The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio and we're delighted to be joined uh, in the virtual studio now by uh, by Dominic Plunkett and Dominic is a senior hardware engineer at the Raspberry Pi Technology. Uh, good evening, Dominic. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. And you've you've got some exciting news today because uh, today is the launch of the Raspberry Pi Compute Module Four. Now let's start off a little bit with Raspberry Pi as as a company as an, as a foundation. Where where did things start? And you know where where has the journey taken us over the last I think it's decade or so, isn't it now? Not quite that far, but getting very close. Uh, yes, it, it started out with a simple um, board to help um, in the education market because the, um, some people were seeing that uh, university students or applicants didn't really have any hands-on experience of, of computing. Um, and you know, the original goals were to, to sell you know, 10,000 of these boards. I, I think and, you've surpassed uh, that uh, just a little bit by now, haven't you? Right? Just a little how, bit. How, how uh, many? Uh, how many million? Um, I think last I I can remember hearing was something like thirty six million boards. Now we've sold. You, you just sort of gently lose count. Really, really. <laughs> uh, and yes. So of course that this has gone way beyond that original sort of help a few people learn about computers, hasn't it? it the the take up of the Raspberry Pi has has made it into pretty much all all kinds of devices. Yes, I mean, lots of uh, you know, there are still lots of people who are using it for education around the world, but there is also a significant proportion of our um, customers who are actually using it in industrial products. So what, um, what sort of things would, would that be? Uh, there's lots of uh, people who just use them for sort of monitoring things. So um, if you need a bit of computing power, buy some sensors to monitor some sensors, record some data and upload that to the internet. Um, I was... I, read an article last year about some people who study volcanoes and um, they actually use the camera um, that we supply uh, with a Raspberry Pi um, to put around the side of the volcano and they found it was um, much better to use that and certainly much more cost effective than the very expensive volcano monitoring equipment. That that must just be one of of the the wonderful things about it is that they are hugely reliable devices but you know, even if one does go wrong, it's what, it's 30, 40 pound, and you just go and get another one. Absolutely. And I, I know one Cambridge company that has them sort of on the shelf, like you have biros for people to use in the labs for when they're developing um, uh, products, test equipment and things. So just like you might have some biros in a, in a stationary cupboard, they have, they make sure there is a, a pile of Raspberry Pis there. So people can just pull one out and just use it even for just one sort of simple application rather than trying to use uh, overload with lots of applications, which it would be perfectly possible. Just get another one. Uh, I, I'm sure I've seen a photo somewhere of a, a sort of snack vending machine that has yeah, your drinks, your crisps, your raspberry pies. <laughs> as you say, or just as a, a sort of commodity lump of computer, which which is so flexible. Um, now, you mentioned these sort of industrial uses uh, aside from the education, presumably that then is where we enter the story of the the Raspberry Pi compute module. Yes, um, yeah. so we started to see that um, customers w- wanted something that they could customise a bit more than um, what the form factor etc. that we were providing. 
So we came up um, with the original Compute One, uh, Compute One module, and then that got superseded. Well, it's still available, and we still sell those, but then we've added to the Compute Module 3 um, and 3 Plus range. Um, and these are cent centered around the same system on a chip that we use in the Raspberry, for instance, the Raspberry Pi 3 um, uh, board. Use it, uh, that same system on a chip uh, processor is used on the Compute Module 3. Um, and three plus, and presumably the advantage for for people who are building these into into other products is that it's just sort of a little bit more designed to be embedded in that that kind of environment. And, you know, you could perfectly do that with. I've actually got one sat next to me, sort of mounted onto a, another circuit board uh, for a little bit of control system. Um, but the compute module's designed for that from the ground up. You know, it's not. You know, it's it's first meaning of life is is not to have a keyboard mouse and monitor plugged in is is to be embedded in a a television or or some industrial control application absolutely so um all the um interfaces we want to bring out come out to some connectors that are easy to connect to so you can then yeah use the um signals um as you want to use them to and not through more conventional connectors because if you wanted to um connect up both the Ethernet and the USB, you're looking at multiple cables, whereas actually on in an industrial environment, you want something that can clip or plug in and do all the connections in one go. Yes, that, that very much makes sense. And so to today's announcement, then the, the Raspberry Pi Compute Module 4, um, this presumably is is the next step, but it's it's not just an evolution. It's obviously you know taking advantage of uh, of some of the the developments we had with the Raspberry Pi four. Uh, when was that? Was that last year? I think uh, the Pi four came out. Uh, but it's also a little bit revolutionary in in that you've changed that mounting. You've changed the way that you interface to it. Yes. So I, the CM four takes all the good bits um, of the um, Raspberry Pi 4, so the same um, um, processor, uh, same memory. In fact, we've got all the memory configurations possible. And um, this time we've added into the compute module world out of the CM4, uh, out of the Raspberry Pi 4 world, the uh, wireless interface and the Bluetooth interface, which we've never previously done on a compute module. And so that makes it, you know, we, we did see a lot of customers use um, the CM range, a CM3 range, with uh, Wi-Fi um, um, and Bluetooth modules. And that just gives our customers a bit more pain to design a product with if they've got to use our compute module and somebody else's um, wireless, wireless module. So by integrating that into the CM range, we should make it easier for customers um, to use um, wireless interfaces. Um, and we've brought out some of the extra interfaces that the Raspberry Pi 4 has. So we've got the second um, HDMI display. And the big departure, uh, the big new interface we've brought out, internally, the Raspberry Pi 4 used a PCIe, PCIe Express uh, interface to connect to a USB 3 host controller to generate USB 3 signals. And so what we've done here in the CM4 world is bring out that PCIe Express interface to the connector. And that that is presumably a, a very much sort of higher performance interface, and that this is the same the same interface as you'd find inside of a a, a sort of regular desktop PC, isn't it? So that what what yeah, sort of applications are you imagining for that? Yeah, absolutely, same as you'd see in a regular PC. So the um, 
what we have to go with the CM4 is a, uh, what we call an I.O. board. Um, and that actually has a standard um, PCI, ex PCIe Express um, connector on it, as you would find in a PC. So in the lab, I've actually been playing with um, boards that I've uh, bought off uh, the internet and plugged in. So uh, you can have very fast flash, flash drives connected, in what are called NVMe drives. And this can give you something in the order of 10 times the performance of um, storage interface than uh, Raspberry Pis are typically used to over the SD card interface. Um, I've played with this. This also ties very neatly back into that sort of the uh, the developments we've seen in the cameras over the last couple of years. Where if people are using them, as as you mentioned the example earlier, um, for doing sort of video based observation, being able to get that data out of the cameras and onto some form of storage becomes more and more important as as those cameras develop and and as you put more of them on. A absolutely, I mean. Yeah. The world is just continually growing. So um, the more we can let, let people do with it, the better. Um, one of the other examples I had, um, I, I actually bought some uh, fiber network cards um, and plugged them into the um, CM4. And I was able to send um, data over the uh, fiber uh, network that I'd created significantly faster than the um, existing copper gigabit um, network that the uh, CM4 supports as well. So there's just, all sorts of options. Just to put that in context as well, it was only the Raspberry Pi 4 that even got the, the gigabits. That was a 1,000 megabits a second. Before that, if we go back to the uh, the 3B+, Plus, that I, I'm pretty sure that was that was only, in inverted commas, only 100 megabit a second. So that was only the speed of your, your typical home internet connection. The Pi 4 multiplied that by 10. With the compute module, you're now multiplying that further sort of beyond there. Yes, you have the option to, and that's the key thing with the PCI Express. It gives people the option of what sort of interface they can use. They can either design something themselves um, or buy an off-the-shelf card, which is what, what I've been doing and playing with in, in the lab when I've been testing the PCI Express interface. Um, uh, and yes, you can get much higher performance that way. So the this sort of the, the product officially launched this morning um, Twitter, of course, was awash with uh, lots of shiny photography and uh, and videos and reviews of, and that's that sort of thing. But you you were mentioning just before the show, you're starting to see these pop up in the world already. Yes, we uh, we had some um, pre-release um, systems out with with customers, and I think um, today I keep on seeing uh, on Twitter and various other feeds that uh, some customers are now starting to launch products. Um, or carrier boards to take the CM4. Um, so there's one I know that's coming. Um, it, it's a really small device, but it's got two cameras on it. Um, so it uses the new small form factor and two little cameras, and it's, a, it's quite a nice uh, stereo camera system. Oh, nice. So we could potentially start uh, almost sort of seeing these things go into the, uh, the kind of either stereo vision or even sort of virtual reality, augmented reality world, I would imagine. Yes, I, mean, I think it's one of these things. We're here to enable people to use their imagination um, to do whatever they'd like to do. Well, what's been the, not necessarily the, the compute module for, what, what's been the, I guess, the most surprising or the, you know, the, the project that you've seen these things used for that has made you just stand back and go, wow, you know, what, what have we enabled as, as a company here? Um, ooh, good question. Um, 
I'm sure there was one recently I thought exactly that and um I've forgotten what it was now. <laughs> but <there laughs> Sorry, was, I should have given you a heads up about this. No, no, no it's a very good question. Um, I think there was I, a... I, I guess one of the things about the Raspberry Pi is it, it's like the GoPro uh, revolutionised filming for TV and, and for film by being a, a, a camera that costs a, a fraction of the cost of professional cameras but can still generate that video quality we're expecting. And now we've got compute modules that can do high-end computing for a very low price and we can now throw computers into anything yes i mean at, at the starting price of, of the uh, compute module for is for is just 25 dollars. so it now becomes um a lot easier to to think about putting something with a lot more processing power in than you would what you might have imagined um into a product um one of the examples i was just going back to the previous question um I don't know if you know, there are a couple of Raspberry Pis uh, on the International Space Station. Oh, this is and, the, uh, um, the Astro Pi project. That's right, yes. And somebody wrote a um, nice little program that used the cameras there and would spot forest fires. And I thought that was just a nice little application um, that somebody managed to write there. Um, that, that's amazing. So that's presumably taking, taking the Pies on the ISS, pointing them out the window, literally, uh, at the Earth. And then presumably doing some kind of sort of computer vision type processing to, to recognize something that looked like a fire from 150 miles up in, uh, up in space. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I would never have thought about how to do that. And um, I'm, I'm a hardware engineer, so understanding how the software of that side works, I would have to think about that and I would have to go and read bits of the internet. And somebody, somebody has just done that. That, that's amazing and, and all all building on this foundation of uh of something that was going to be a, a single run of ten thousand boards that you might have sold if you were lucky uh that that, that must have been quite a journey yes absolutely absolutely very good well dominic thank you uh thank you so much for uh for joining us this evening um it's been uh, been wonderful to to speak to you and all the best for the launch of the uh the compute module four uh is is it time for a little bit of a, a break a little bit of a relax now now that you've got it out the door oh uh it would it would be nice but there's lots of things to do on the to-do list still fantastic uh well we wish you and all of your colleagues at uh, raspberry pi all the very best for uh, for that and whatever it is that uh, that comes next and uh, thanks for joining us this evening thank you cambridge 105 radio in 1960s cambridge you might have shopped at joshua taylor gone roller skating at the corn exchange and seen the beatles perform live at the regal cinema on sunday mornings john gannon takes you back in time with hits and memories from the swinging decade john gannon's 60s scene sundays at 8 a.m on the station that's live and local cambridge 105 radio Looking to buy a new home this summer, but it feels out of reach? Then getting on the property ladder just isn't an option for you. Think again. New homes in Haverhill and Cottenham are available now with shared ownership, with your mortgage deposit as low as from £4,000. The final two- and three-bedroom homes at Bower Place and Boyton Place also have exclusive incentive packages available worth over £2,500. With £1,000 shopping vouchers, £500 towards your solicitor's fees, and three months rent-free, book your viewing today 
to find out what's on offer. Reserve from just £99 and find your new home this summer. Think shared ownership, think complete moves. Visit complete-moves.co.uk or call 020-3640-7111 today. Terms and conditions apply. Need dropping off at work? Miss the bus and must make that urgent appointment. Need picking up after a night out with your mates? Panther Taxis is your Cambridge-based taxi firm with over 700 drivers, offering great rates and local knowledge, ensuring you make it quickly and safely to your destination. We don't inflate our prices at peak times, and all our drivers accept payments by cash or card. Book your taxi the easy way. Download our free Panther Taxis app through your app store and start booking your taxis on the go. Call Cambridge 715715 or see panthertaxis.co.uk. Panther Taxis, your local quick, reliable and friendly taxi company in the city. Time now to look at all the latest uh, October announcements from Apple. Well, their second set of announcements this time. They've got round to uh, the important ones, the iPhone, but also they uh, showed off their new HomePod Mini, which is pretty much Apple's answer to the Amazon Echo. comes in white and grey, about £100 shipping in November the 16th. Now, is, um, this the, is this the first of these devices they've launched? Because I don't remember. Of course, no, they they've had, got They Siri. had one. They had one. Um, Did this anyone is their buy new it? One. Uh, possibly. <laughs> I, I'm just... Yeah, the, the Amazon I, devices... I've, I've never the, seen one in someone's house. Exactly. And it, it just strikes me that yeah, the Amazon devices are so prevalent. The Google ones, a, a little less so, but but still yeah, reasonably reasonably commonly seen in, uh, in homes with lots of gadgets. Even a couple of Facebook home devices. I don't think I've ever seen anyone with an Apple device. Anyway, design-wise, they've um, they've gone for a sphere, very much like the Amazon Echo, except they've cut the top off. Oh, oh, it's it, a, it's a it, flat. It's top. got a flat top and a flat bottom. Uh, the top surface is glowy and lights up and is touch, and that's where you can wake Siri up. Hello, everyone's phone, um, and also volume adjustments on the top as well that are touch control. Right, so it, it is. It's not a full touch screen by the looks of things. It's it's a couple of individual sort of hotkeys, but not. Yeah. Yeah, not like the uh, uh, Echo Show, for example. No, no. Yeah, it's, it's uh, so obviously calls. includes App- Apple's digital assistant. Siri is in the box and uh, obviously is able to talk to all of the things that you can use your digital assistant from your phone to talk to. However, they've, they've, they've been w- watching what Amazon and Google have done with their digital assistants and physical devices and there are things like intercom and broadcast between these devices. Um, neatly, their intercom or broadcasting facility can work from a HomePod to a phone to an Apple Watch uh, and all of that seamlessly in both directions, which is quite cool, and in, even into AirPods. So, so, they, so they from your, a lot from your watch, you can announce that dinner's ready to the rest of your house. Yep, or from your device, you can announce dinner's ready and if the teenagers have got their headphones in, their AirPods, ah, it will like it. tell them on that too. So, yeah. Something else I, I spotted is that if you have multiple of the, the HomePod minis, 
you can configure them as a stereo pair of speakers. So not only do you... By the way, uh, you could do that with the Amazon and the Google devices already. So I know that you could listen in multiple rooms. (laughs) I didn't know that you could do them as left and right. You can stereo pair those as well. Ah, Apple things are like automatic that. and the Apple ones will recognise that they are close enough to be stereo pairs. Oh, very neat. So they've done a bunch of stuff around that. Anyway, the important stuff. iPhone 12, obviously yes. the new beasts which they have launched, uh, available to pre-order. So you can pre-order the iPhone 12 base edition and the iPhone 12 Pro. You can pre-order now. They'll ship on the 23rd of October. So that's the, this, this Friday if you're listening on the Monday. Yep, the or you iPhone, would have already got it in your hands if you're listening to the repeat of this. The iPhone 12 Mini and the iPhone 12 Pro Max, so in other words, the smallest one and the largest one in the range, um, go on pre-order in November. Yep, 6th of we'll, November on those. And we'll ship a bit later in November. Yep, so... So just a bit weird. Get, get the, the medium-sized ones out first. Those, those presumably are going to be the most popular devices, although... Yeah, anyway, so the, tw- the 12 mini 5.4-inch 5, screen, all the same features as the full-size iPhone, but smaller and £100 less. So starting 64-gig phone at £700. So looking at the full-blown iPhone 12 6-inch screen, 6.1-inch screen, 64-gig phone starting at £800, going all the way up to the 256-gig storage at 949 Important now, thing. The, the 12 mini, I assume that they're going to be bringing this in with a view to get rid of the SE or yes. retiring the iPhone SE, which was yes. their slightly smaller budget range before. That's what they're, that's what they're considering. Um, 5G across the whole range. Ah, so you don't have to get a dedicated 5G There are no specific, specific 5G uh, model. models. Um, on ideal conditions with 5G wideband, now this is obviously... Uh, network specific and it does depend on what the local networks get out the box but in the lab they've shown 4 gigabit down and 200 megabit upstream wow yeah yeah so. <laughs> uh, wi-fi 6 which is the 802.11ax standard 12 by 12 mimo aerials in it so that's able to get multi-gigabit wi-fi connectivity still a notch on the front of the screen for the front camera to hide in and still a lightning connector. Come on, Apple. Oh, so they didn't go... Because there were a lot of people who thought they would go USB-C. on the new iPad Air, but not on the iPhones. Which does, of course, mean that you now have to have two different chargers if you have an iPad and an iPhone. Uh, well, yes and no. You can have an iPhone... Or two, two different cables, at least. Yeah, two different cables. So they're not shipping a charger in the box with the phone because they figured there are millions of chargers out there. It cuts down the amount of weight they're shipping. It cuts down the amount of e-waste by chargers that are not going to actually get used. Design-wise, uh, the standard iPhone 12 has an aluminium frame which incorporates antennas and smooth edges, front and rear glass, the latest Gorilla Glass with Corning's ceramic shield coating, which supposedly makes it four times more resistant to scratches and cracks. Uh, they made it will the, survive the obligatory drop onto the driveway. Yeah, they've made the borders thinner on the actual front to fit more screen on the, uh, more display on the front of the phone. Um, increase the resolution, increase the brightness, increase the contra- contrast ratio. The latest CPU in there, the A14 processor with uh, six CPU uh, cores, four GPU cores, 16 neural engine cores for machine <laughs> learning. What they're doing with that is all sorts of really fancy things, certainly on the Pro Edition with their camera. Now, camera-wise, dual camera, uh, an ultra-wide and a wide, both 12-megapixel cameras. The wide so they're looks, not going the, the route of a lot of Android manufacturers and with whacking sort of up the megapixels. Three, four, five, and three, four, and five cameras. 
not on the base model. If we want more cameras, we go to the Pro model. Now, the software's obviously had lots of improvement to use the new CPU and that neural engine machine learning stuff is doing a lot of processing on the camera as it creates images. Um, the other new technology that's consistent across the range is MagSafe. So this is wireless charging with a magnetically attached charger. So what that rather means than is that the charger, yeah, the charger lines up more precisely to enable up to 15 watts charging, which means a lot faster charging wirelessly, which is quite cool. Uh, no headphones in the box either. The iPhone Pro 12, uh, the iPhone 12 Pro series. So this is the end aimed at people who are creating photos and pro video. Uh, 6.1 inch screen on the base model, 6.7 inch on the uh, Pro Max Wow, that's, that's pretty much into tablet territory, isn't yep. it? Yep. Now, these ones have got an IP68 rating, six meters of depth for 30-minute submersion. So we're, yeah. we're not just sort of a bit splash-proof. This is waterproof. pretty much can, yeah. not quite take it swimming, but certainly a, a splash in the pool. Here we're seeing three cameras on the backside, an ultra-wide, a wide, and a telephoto, which allows an up to two times optical zoom in on your subject. And importantly, Apple's Pro RAW image format. So people who love the RAW image format can get that out of the phone. The other impressive things is HDR 10-bit video recording, which gives you 700 million colors, Dolby Vision HDR, including editing and um, modifying Dolby Vision HDR content on the phone, and recording 4K video at 60 frames a second with frame-by-frame -frame histograms to allow you to real do real-time color grading of your video. <laughs> And, and then the other cool a, thing almost is a broadcast camera here. It is a broadcast camera. Is it's got a lidar scanner in, so it can do depth calculation of the scene and map things in real time. So you could actually use it to scan a room and turn it into a CAD design for real time CAD work. Oh, very nice indeed. Uh, that's all we've got time for on this episode. You can catch us every other Monday from six pm on Cambridge One Hundred and Five Radio. Bye for now. <laughs>